वेलकम टू द पॉडकास्ट प्रूफ इज इन द फुडिंग अ पॉडकास्ट फॉर सेल्स इंजीनियर्स बाय द सेल्स इंजीनियर इन दिस पॉडकास्ट वी ब्रिंग स्पेशल गेस्ट्स एंड डिस्कस टॉपिक्स रेलेवेंट टू द सेल्स इंजीनियर्स एंड सेल्स इंजीनियरिंग लीडर्स दिस पॉडकास्ट इज प्रोड्यूस्ड बाय सक्सेस प्लेटफॉर्म सक्सेस डॉट एप अ पर्पज बिल प्लेटफॉर्म फॉर मेकिंग प्रोडक्ट इवेल्युएशन सक्सेसफुल Now, without any further ado, let's start this episode. Hi, welcome. I'm your host Vikaria. With me today, I have wonderful guest James Kakis. He is a co-founder of Pre-Sales Collective, which you may already know. It's making a lot of buzz nowadays in the pre-sales world. Uh, how are you, James? Vic, hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Uh, James, can we start with your introduction uh, with how, where you started, and how you got into pre-sales? Yeah, well, I've got a pretty wild journey, right? I think my journey has been uh, very twisty and turny, but it is really interesting because I started my career in op in operations and athletic operations, and went to hospitality operations. Um, and at one point, I decided, hey, I don't really want to be in hospitality operations anymore. because i was working you know 10 15 days in a row and you know 12 hour days and i said hey like how do i take these transferable skills and do something that i want to be doing and so i joined a software company called revenate and revenate did hospitality technology and so guess what vic i got to be the subject matter expert that was the individual who came from the hospitality world and i actually did implementation and post sale at that organization but at the time we didn't have a pre-sales team and because i knew the industry because i knew how hospitality professionals and i knew our product inside and out the sales team would would bring me on calls and say hey james like we want you to talk to this company about about why our products working and so they kept bringing me on to these calls and vic i'm not going to lie i was like wow this is a lot more fun and so <laughs> i was enjoying a lot of the sales process and couple of times i did some really large pocs because i knew the competition inside and out and so um my company at the time was like hey like this sounds like a really good opportunity for you to make a a full-time move to the the sales team and the pre and start our pre-sales org and i was flattered it was amazing so i started to make that move and then i jumped to a company called showpad and um worked there for for over 4 years and i'm not going to lie vic like i found my my footing so for me you know i like to say that people stumble in the pre-sales and that was my my I <clears throat> excuse me I stumbled in the pre-sales as well and that was my journey um throughout and here we are a couple of years later and now we have the pre-sales collective that's awesome so the next topic what I want to ask you is so how did you get into starting pre-sales collective uh what motivated you to create a platform for pre-sales people or pre-sales uh you know the people who are involved in the sales engineering solution engineering what motivated yeah. you to get started yeah vic you know it, it's so interesting because when i was at revenate and then i went to showpad i was the first sales engineer at both of those companies and at the time at showpad cuz really that's where a lot of my my pre-sales um career exists is that i always reported to a sales leader I always reported to a VP of sales, even a a co-founder or a president, whatever it was, but it was always me just trying to figure out what we needed for the organization. And so, I lived in San Francisco at the time. I spent 5 years in the Bay Area and there was this awesome San Francisco 
sales engineering meetup. And so I went one day and I'll never forget. I can still visualize the room. There was 150 people there. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. And so I started going to these events every once in a while and meeting people and networking because I always reported to somebody in sales. And so I was like, hey, how do I do this? How do I do this? And I would pick people's brains, to understand how they ran their pre-sales teams and pre-sales organizations. And then a time that we don't know, Yuji Higashi, my other pre-sales collective co-founder and I were connected because I was building Showpad. He was building outreach and we would call each other about different things that we were seeing, problems that we were trying to solve. And then I moved to Chicago. And when I moved to Chicago for Showpad, it was supposed to be a temporary move. And I realized, hey, there's no sales engineering meetup. I should go ahead and start one. And so I started that group and then usually started a group in Seattle. And we were talking about this time last year. It was uh, early January, 2020. Little did we know what the world was going to bring us, right? But we said, hey, if you're not in like one of these four or five cities that has a group, how do you connect with pre-sales professionals? And the answer was you didn't, unless you worked at a big company that, that had a good network or you kept in touch with some individuals. So we decided to say, hey, let's, let's throw a conference for pre-sales people. And we were like, eh, let's maybe not do a conference. Hindsight's always 2020. Let's build a community around that because people need to connect and they need to learn from each other. And we started that. And then in March, the pandemic happened and we had a Chicago, meet, uh, Chicago pre-sales community group event. And I called Eugene. I said, hey, I'm going to announce pre-sales collective. And we were originally planning for May or June, and then we pulled the timeline up to April. And here we are, you know, nine, 10 months later, 9,000 people signed up across the globe. It has been an unbelievable journey um, across, but that's really the genesis of, of, of how the collective started. Wow, man. Great story. You know, uh, I saw Pre-Sales Collective growing in front of my eyes. I still remember your group in Chicago and, and you know, the one uh, in on the on the Seattle and then how it all came together. Yeah. The community has been growing and, and I, I think it is one of the very active community as well. I mean, not only a lot mm -hmm. of people, mm -hmm. but also very active. A lot of people get involved and uh, that's great. So what do you think, what changed? I think a uh, lot of people who started, let's say, working in sales engineering maybe more than 10 years ago, uh, almost everybody can feel that sales engineering was not an independent function. It was, it was kind of a supporting role for, for salespeople to close their deals. Uh, the main focus was yeah. on the salespeople to bring the customer. Sales engineers were more in a supporting role as like, okay, whatever you need technically to close this will yeah. be there. But things have changed in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. I think this role has evolved to, to a whole new level. There are many new titles are, you know, showing up now at yeah. the director, VP, global VP. And, you know, I, I think the whole landscape has changed. What, what, do you, what do you think happened? I mean, what has caused this to change? Yeah, I mean, Vic, you're, you're spot on. There's, there's a couple of things that I think that have changed and let me maybe talk, talk about them a little bit separately, but the introduction of technology into our day and day, day to day has really accelerated the need of sales engineers and solutions consultants in a sales cycle. Because at one time, you know, well, I guess let me, let me rephrase is that every company is turning into a technology company. Whether it's uh, happening overnight or it's a slow move, 
technology is becoming part of our DNA and everything that we do. And so sales is changing. And really the crux and one of my favorite things to talk about is buying is changing. Because if you think about what Amazon and what Netflix are doing to us in our B2C consumer behaviors, that is changing in the B2B world as well, right? right? And what happens is that sales is <clears throat> becoming more complex. There are more decision makers. Gardner and Forrester put out a lot of research. And so the sales engineering role has gone from sales support to true co-pilot. I mean, in some of these organizations, you know, it's, it's crazy, but the sales engineer and the frontline sales leader are the point of continuity in accounts because, you know, rep transition is really high. It's like 12 to 18 months right now. And so the SC role has become so vital and so important that as technology expands, as buying changes, this role is the centerpiece of both internal and external collaboration. And so it also, it's a sales role, but it exudes trust because our job is to solve problems and do what's best for the customer. And that is just the crux of the concept of, of buying changing, right? And so that's why I think that this role has gone through this evolution and is becoming more important than ever. Uh, I, I agree. And in fact, uh, I think one more thing that I can see changing in the technology landscape is that almost every technology vertical is very crowded today, whether you take a cybersecurity, mm -hmm. industrial IoT, mm -hmm. or whatever technology you take. Now there are so many companies providing the solution. So from the buyer perspective, it becomes more and more important to validate what they're buying, to compare yep. it with other products. Mm -hmm. And that's where exactly the sales engineering comes in, solution engineering comes in to uh, play their role in showing their product and making sure yeah. customers happy with it. You're exactly uh, right. Yeah. Uh, can you share some of the experiences from your journey as a sales engineer to a sales engineering leader, how you saw the whole process changing and some of the learnings that you can share? Yeah, I think what was interesting was, and sorry, let, let me clarify with you, Vic, M the change of, of sales engineering from like an IC to a leader or the, the change of what's happened in the industry generally? No, I would say uh, more from the process perspective. Let's say when you started, how you saw things happening and maybe share some of the learnings that you saw, maybe some of the best practices as a sales engineer that you saw working well for you, uh, maybe specific to certain segments, mm -hmm. to certain mm -hmm. companies. What have you seen personally that has worked well for you in your role of a sales engineer or at the, as the role of a director and a leadership level role? Yeah, I think when it came when it comes to being an, an on the ground, hands in the product solutions engineer, where I was able to see that this role was changing and be able to provide the most value is when I realized that my role was shifting from just being able to give demos to be a real value add in the sales cycle. Because if I came in and just kind of showcased the product and then, you know, kind of in and out, I wasn't bringing enough value to that sales cycle because I was instilling trust with the customer at that point. But once I started to be able to say, these are the use cases, these are the customer stories that I have. Let's do a hands-on workshop and be able to expand the sales cycle from like disco demo uh, to disco demo, hands-on workshop, you know, POC at times. 
I was able to, one, as myself, build more credibility with my internal team, but I started building credibility with the external team. And then I started being able to align with some of those champions in the sales process. Because a lot of times organizations will be like, all right, the AEs aligned, the sales leaders aligned, the executive sales leaders aligned, and they're talking to different points at the customer. Well, how about James as a solutions engineer being aligned to the CTO or the CIO or whoever that might be? And I think that was the change that I went through. And then as a leader in sales engineering and solutions engineering is trying to make sure what made me successful could be turned into a bit of a framework that would allow my team to excel. And so again, going from you know that, that term of like demo jockey, so to right. say, to true co-pilot, you know, it, it does depend on the product. It depends on your organization, but that is how you maximize the value of this team. And that's what's worked for me. Right. That makes sense. So, you know, uh, recently I uh, started this poll on LinkedIn where I asked people that how they got into sales engineering. And interestingly, mm-hmm. almost 65% people said that they were there right in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And they got pulled into sales engineering. Uh, I want to ask you two things here. Um, you know, if you can share something, how your transition from uh, into sales engineering was, and what would you say, especially to new people who are moving into sales engineering? I think because now this role is getting more into mainstream and more right. people are even starting as a sales engineer or mm-hmm. they are moving from mm-hmm. uh, another team to a sales engineering role. So what would you say to them, especially now that we have resources like Pre-Sales Collective there where yeah. they can go and read a lot, learn a lot, learn about processes, learn about how things work. But uh, how has been your journey and what would you say to the people who are starting, um, you know, how they should be starting? Yeah. Well, Vic, I'm looking forward to seeing you run that pool again in like two or three years and then people actually joining pre-sales as a career path, right? (laughs) Right. That's what we're all getting to. Some of the advice that I give people all the time is utilize your subject matter expertise. I mean, you heard that in my story, generally. There are things that people have a lot of working experience in, things that people are really good at, and that can translate to a sales engineering role. And I think you know when people say, hey, I wanna get in this role, I don't know where to start. Well, like, look at my example. I worked in hospitality and in operations. And so what I did is I went and found a hospitality technology company where I can come in and provide immediate value. And that was something that the organization needed at the time. And so, you know, even if you're in customer success, like I love hiring customer success managers as sales engineers and solutions engineers, because they know what it's like to work with customers. And so like utilizing those and finding those opportunities, although they might be few and far between at times, understanding like how you can make the best transition. And so like that is my advice for people who want to get into this role is figure out where your SME experience is and figure out how you can bring it to that role. Right. Uh, That's great. Uh, That's great, James. So now at the end, I'll probably ask you a couple of more questions about maybe uh, some resources um, while you are running Pre-Sales Collective and you have been working you know, as a leader of sales engineering uh, organization, what are some of the resources that you found very useful? Maybe some of the books that you read or any specific resource that you found very useful? Can you- Yeah. Well, Vic, I will say maybe to, to finish answering your last question because I realized it didn't there. This is why pre-sales collective exists, because if you try to go out there to how to build a pre-sales team or, you know, how to do this or that, 
those resources haven't existed. And, and Joel Duffield, who got hired at a pre-sales collective hiring event, said that he utilized the pre-sales collective in the blogs and the podcasts and the webinars to get experience without experience, right? And so he knew the terms, he knew the lingo. And again, that's really why we started this, this community. And so we are trying to highlight the amazing work of amazing pre-sales professionals all over the globe, right? It's not like it's James and Yuji creating content. We're highlighting content and things that people are doing. And so obviously, you know, we're hoping that the Pre-Sales Collective can continue to be a good resource. Um, one of my favorite books is Selling is Hard, Buying is Harder by Garen Hess. I really like that book because I thought it aligned with a lot of the ideals that I have around customer experience. Uh, big fan of Bob Reinsfeld and Two Win, right? I think that his book does really demonstrate, you know, how to, you know, take your demo and, and make it a little more digestible for your customers. But there are a lot of good resources out there and a lot of good items. I would say that with the Presales Collective, we've also created an educational page. So presalescollective.com slash education. And we're highlighting the individuals that are building companies and have resources for those individuals, right? Again, we're trying to make sure that we're bringing exposure to everything that exists. So those are, those are uh, my perspectives on those items. That's great, James. I think it's a great point to wrap up this podcast. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure speaking with you, James, and I'm excited to see where Pre-Sales Collective goes. It's already making waves, and I, I can't wait to see what other things you guys are doing. So thank you so much for joining today. Vic, thanks for having me. Thanks for your support, and thanks for everything that you're doing for the pre-sales professional as well. This podcast was brought to you by success.app sales engineering teams use success for running faster and efficient technical evals use success ai to identify and mitigate poc risks run pocs faster convert more pocs into technical wins book a demo now at success.app